welcome to you who are guests, uh, family and friends. And uh, I'm sure that the family and friends can tell you some tales on Marcus, so just hang around. You'll hear about him, I'm sure, as the day goes along. We spent some time together this week, and I enjoyed it very, very much. Uh, I didn't know you folks could sing out here in the congregation as well as you did this morning, but that's fabulous. So I think that uh, we're going to let Daniel expand. Well, we're going to expand the platform. So you all get ready to join the choir, and we'll just add some more folks. Ordination of a deacon is biblical, Acts chapter 6. In fact, I want to just kind of let these thoughts become... uh, Solving a family dispute. Solving a family argument. Y'all ever had an argument? Don't lie in the church. Don't don't lie in the church. We've all had those, and they were difficult to deal, deal with and to get through, but coming to a conclusion that meets the requirements for a satisfactory result is always accepted. You remember on the day of Pentecost, Peter had preached that 3,000 people responded to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those 3,000 continued to meet. The disciples continued to minister to their needs. And the, 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 the thing that was going on, the church was just getting larger and larger. And so they had a need for folks to bring money and bring possessions in order that they might have enough money to buy provisions to feed the people in the church because they were taking care of also the necessities of the people who enjoyed the body. Can you imagine fixing a box lunch for 3,000 every day? Pretty big chore. But folks, it didn't stop at 3,000. It continued to grow. But they needed some funding, and so they asked for the folks to uh, bring some uh, funding So there was a couple in the church by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. That's not Kingfish's wife. These young folks do not remember who Kingfish was at all. He was a character on television whose wife was named Sapphira. And so uh, they came, uh, or at least uh, uh, he came, and... uh, told the disciples that uh, we have an offering to give and this is all we've got. And Peter, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And immediately he fell dead. So they picked him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now his wife didn't know that he had gone, so she goes to the disciples and she says the same thing. And guess what happened to her? She fell dead too. And so just as they were coming back from the implements of burying one, they have to bury the other because they were lying in relationship to the Holy Spirit. Well, do you think if we were to have a couple of sudden deaths like that at Lindell, we'd get everybody's attention? I think so. I think it'd spread beyond Lindell. You know, I think some of you'd be on your cell phones before you left. But the important thing you need to see is that the church was born out of the movement of the Spirit of God and it grew so rapidly that there came a need beyond the strength of the disciples. So they said, we've got to have some help. We need some folks to serve along with us and take care of the needs of this family. In the book of Acts, it tells us 
that suddenly from 3,000, they were daily feeding up to 5,000 folks. The reason for this is found back in chapter uh, 5 of, of the book of Acts, and it says in verses 41 and 42, so they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame in his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. In other words, it was a seven-day-a-week experience of Jesus Christ being taught, lives being changed, and the church was continuing to grow. So there was daily service as they were meeting together. There was God's house. I think you could take the fact of the temple and the courtyard, and there were hundreds of temples, uh, hundreds of temples, uh, worship places for the Jewish people all over Jerusalem. They were going from house to house and every member of the church was continuous in the service of the Lord. They were teaching and preaching and exalting the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, there was a constant revival and an introduction to Jesus that was occurring. So they had 3,000, 5,000. It says daily they were being multiplied. And then later in the book of Acts, it says they were multiplied greatly. So this flow and the movement of growth demanded some help. And so the disciples said, we need to solve this problem. So you solve a problem by doing first things first. In other words, you look at where you are among the leaders of the people and by observing how they live, how they respond, and how they grow in their own personal relationship with the Lord, and by putting first things first, prayer and the Word of God, you begin to recognize the reality of salvation. It's real. It's going on in someone's life. In other words, the Bible is teaching us that prayer and the Word are the two key things for personal spiritual growth as well as spiritual numerical growth among people who need to be hearing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it says, they said to the people, we need some help. So they selected out from among them seven men to help resolve the problem. Now, it's interesting to notice that they were doing church every day, not just one day a week. They were doing church every day. And so they said, we need to look at what it's going to take to solve this issue. The people were stirred up. and It was time for something to be done. And when you look at what they were saying, that they needed help, they looked at this group, and then they, the disciples chose seven out of the group. Now, the biggest dispute that had happened was between two groups of the Jewish people who were living in Jerusalem. There were those who had been dispersed across the world by persecution and by taking prisoners. And some of them had grown up as Greeks, so they were speaking the Greek language, but they were Jewish people. Over here in the Palestinian area were the Jews, and they were speaking Hebrew. So when the church got together, you had two groups. 
basically because of the language they were ministering to two groups. And, and, and the Greek-speaking Jews said, we got a problem here. You've been intentionally not taking care of some of our widows and orphans. Now, whether it was intentional or not, there was a dispute that arose. To resolve it, they said, give us some help. So they chose out from among, particularly the Greek-speaking Jews, seven people, seven men, to work with them in carrying on the message and taking care of the needs of the people. And it's also interesting when you read here that the seven men that they picked, they picked out or they chose all had Greek names. So there was no imbalance going on at the church. They found the solution to the problem and they brought about the resolution. Now, how did the people recommend seven people? They did it by observation of the life and example that those people had set to the community. Same thing is true today. Marcus's life has been noticed, it's been reviewed, it's been observed, as he and his family have taken positions in the church, and they've lived to the responsibilities under the qualifications of faith in Jesus Christ. And as the chairman of Deacon said, when it came time to change or to add to, felt like I ought to get some young blood in there. Some of our blood like to be young again. <laughs> but it's flowing so slow, it can't keep up. And so uh, the recommendation was acceptable unto the church, and the church voted in the affirmative that Marcus would be added to the office of deacon of First Baptist Church, Lindale. This uh, experience is one that is unforgettable when you come to a time of ordination because it's recognition and a ceremonial way to say this person has been selected by brothers and sisters in a local church to become one who helps to lead the ministry of Jesus Christ. We have an experience of what we call the laying on of hands, which we will do by the deacons and any ordained ministers who are present as the service goes on. Now, laying on a hand sometimes can just mean we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to pitch you out the door. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, that's, that's not what it means. It's the recognition by those who have been ordained by a church of one who has been added to their body, their group. You'll notice that some, if not all, of these men who lay their hands on Marcus will have a word to say or a prayer to make as they speak with him or greet him. There's a large number, and it's going to take a bit. So if you get restless and you need to leave, please do. But if not, would you be in an attitude of prayer as we continue the service as it moves to that point? Before we do that, Marcus is going to come and share his testimony of faith in Christ and how he's arrived at this particular point in his life. After which I will lead an ordination prayer and he and Anna will be here at the front for the laying on of hands. Marcus, come on up here if you would, sir.
We'll just grab da Daniel's mic because you're not going to Is that okay? Come on around here. Let me move my stuff out. It's all right. I'll be behind you. I'll catch you. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's going to be difficult. going to be difficult for me to get through this without crying. <laughs> it's going to be difficult to start without crying. <clears throat> um, first, I just want to, first I want to say that I know we're a Southern Baptist church because two people came up to me before the service started and said, if you get nervous when you're on stage today, when you're giving your testimony, if you get nervous, think of a cheeseburger. <laughs> and then a second person came up to me and said, if you get nervous when you're on stage today, Think about cheese sticks. So clearly, we're a Southern Baptist church because it's all about the food, even when you get nervous. Um, Pastor Bob, thank you for your time here uh, leading our church during this transition. Um, the deacons and the church, thank you for uh, your support. Um, it's an honor uh, to be chosen to serve as a deacon with you guys um, and I don't take it lightly uh, they told me I had 45 minutes so I'm gonna I'm only gonna try to I'm only gonna try to do oh sorry four to five minutes I'm so sorry so sorry thank you Eddie see they're always looking after me always always so just uh, I'm Marcus Holloway I grew up here um, Born and raised, you know, a lot of people say born and raised in a town. I'm born and raised First Baptist Lindell, really. Um, been here my whole life. And uh, just, uh, just a l brief little um, testimony about my salvation experience. Um, as an 11-year-old, on October 21st, we had uh, Disciple Now weekend. Uh, just a little plug, it's coming up again. So... Uh, host homes, we still need a bunch of them. Um, I was 11 years old, and um, God had been working on me about being different. Uh, you know, what does it mean to uh, be a Christian, and, and what does being different mean? And he'd been working on me about that. And um, so that, that weekend, it was on my heart, and we were staying at Don Alford's uh, home, and it had a group of guys, and we were just having a great weekend. We had a service that, Sunday, uh, that Saturday morning, and we went to it, had an awesome service, came back to their house, and we had a small group, and we had a college leader named Matt. And so we did our small group session, and um, God was just working on me. And the issue was I was 11, and I was with my friends, and we wanted to play basketball. So... Uh, I, I said, I told God, I said, we're going we're gonna to we're gonna have to wait just a little bit. I'm going to go play basketball. And so we go out, and freezing cold in January, we play basketball. And uh, God just kept working on my heart. And so finally, I said, all right, we've got to stop. I've got to go deal with something. And I uh, went back inside, and, and Matt and I talked and prayed um, for an hour at least. And uh, he went through the salvation uh, experience with me, and for that I'm forever grateful. Um, 
but that was the point where I knew that I needed to be different uh, and, and came to understand that God um, died for me and that the only way that I was going to uh, serve my purpose in life um, was to, to follow him. Um, I went through my teen years serving in the, or not serving, but being a part of the youth ministry, uh, that and harassing Jason and Nicole. Uh, they were gracious enough to take a group of crazy teenagers and try to help raise us and try to teach us what it meant to be um, different, what it meant to be men of God, uh, and, and I'll forever be indebted for them, to them for that. Uh, I went to uh, college. I, I was at West Point and was dealing with heart issues and uh, waiting on my separation papers to come back home. And I realized, I got to thinking, I had a lot of downtime. And I got to thinking, at no point when I was trying to decide uh, where I was going to college, at no point did I uh, pray about it. At no point did I uh, consult the Lord on what his will for me was. I chose the secular route, and I said, I want to go to a, a top five academic school, and I want to go away, and I want to do a, and it was all about me. And um, so laying there that day, I, I remember telling God, God, I know I'm stubborn. I get it from my dad. <laughs> but... From this point forward, I, I, I understand. I understand that every part of me, you've broken me down, you've taken everything away from me, and at this point, I'm turning it all to you. And that was the point where I rededicated my life. <laughs> then he brought me my wife. Anna is the best part of me. Um, in this role, she will serve alongside me, and she will support me and pray with me, and she'll pray for all of you, uh, and she'll pray for uh, the, the deacons that serve alongside me. Uh, Anna and I are, I can't read without my glasses, but I can't read with tears in my eyes. <laughs> Uh, we, we have always tried to be obedient. Um, we, we try to pray that we just do God's will, whatever that is. Um, and Anna has just, just been the, the perfect wife for me. Uh, an instance, Eric came to us after one of Bowen's t-ball games and said, hey, we're getting ready to go eat lunch again. Southern Baptist. Uh, we were getting ready to go eat lunch, not thinking about anything, and Eric says, you know, would, would y'all be praying about leading the college ministry? We're like, are you crazy? <laughs> um, so we went home, and we came up with every excuse why not to. Um, I'm working all the time, coaching high school baseball. Anna's in grad school. The college kids are way smarter than we are. Um, I don't want to have to answer their questions and, and feel stupid. Um, we came up with every excuse not to. And then God said, remember that time when you were laying there and you said you were going to give it all to me and you were going to trust me. 
yes, Lord. And so that's what we did. And we knew that in order for us to fulfill our purpose and our ministry, I hate the word purpose. That's the secular um, thing is for you to have purpose in your life. Well, I don't believe that. I believe that each person has a ministry. I believe that each one of us have a ministry, and we've got to figure out what that ministry is. And so we, we fought it, and we said, no, 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 we can't do that. Until finally God reminded us and reminded me of, of that time laying at West Point. And these guys have been such a blessing to us. We pray every day for them. We worry to death about them. And I, I see you, Nicole, shaking your head. We're, we're living now what Nicole went through with us. Uh, but we love those guys, and we love that ministry. And had we not chosen to be different, we would have missed out on that blessing. It's just, it's so hard to imagine. I've had numerous influences uh, in my life, obviously, my family. Um, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a, in a home that um, my dad said, well, you like it or not, you're going today, you know. He would have the vein popping in his forehead and grit in his teeth, but we were going to go. And he brought us, and, and Mom brought us, and, and I was fortunate enough to have a brother that was just a, an amazing example. Uh, my grandparents, um, and now our extended family, obviously, Anna's family and, and Ashley, our sister-in-law. Um, but there's a couple in the church that have been so influential, and I've already mentioned Jason and Nicole. They took us in as teenagers. Um, but Eric and Kim have shepherded me. Is that a word? Shepherd, shepherded me my whole entire life. They're 16 years since they've been here. Um, and I'll forever uh, be indebted to them because they continue to, to minister to Anna and I in our marriage today. Um, I tell you that because um, our church is at a vital point right now. Um, you know, we're in a time of transition, and Pastor Tim was, was my only pastor my entire life. And I absolutely love Pastor Tim. I talked to him last night on the phone, and I love him to death. But I'm so excited about the direction this church is headed. Um, I'm so excited about that. And I just want to tell you just three quick things, uh, three things I, I want to encourage you in as a result of my life thus far, what the church has impacted. The first thing I, I want to encourage you to do is to support and pray for our staff. Um, their fingerprints are on every aspect of my life. Uh, the songs that we sing, Dan, you do a great job, man. Eric, Pastor Bob. Pray for this staff and pray for our future pastor. Be praying for him now. The second thing is to be involved. Be involved in the church because if it weren't for Jason and Nicole stepping out in faith and saying, I'm going to be obedient to you, Lord. I don't want a house full of crazy teenagers, but I'm going to be obedient. Who knows the direction of my life and Stephen Pruitt's life and Matt Broom's life? All of us guys, our group, stuck together throughout school. And who knows the direction that we would have gone had it not been for somebody stepping out and being obedient. 
The last thing is just to support the programs of our church. I mentioned we've got Disciple Now coming up. Um, my salvation experience, what determines whether I go to heaven or not, was a result, a direct result of Disciple Now weekend. Support the programs of our church because you never know what, what impact it could have. Um, lastly, I, I want to share a verse with you that helped shape me as a, a young person. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Pastor Tim, this, this is just something that I guess God put on my heart. Um, I don't have any notes to go by. Um, but Pastor Tim always believed that every service, whether it's a funeral or a wedding or uh, any service, that there was somebody there that could be impacted by the gospel. Um, so today, if there's anybody out there that's struggling with being different, how do I step out? How do I be different? If you're struggling with your salvation, if you're struggling with knowing God, let today be the day. Let it be today. Don't let it go on. Quit fighting it. Don't be stubborn. Let today be the day. Um, again, I just want to thank the church, thank the deacons, thank the staff um, for the influence you've had on my life. You've helped raise me. Uh, my parents, thank you for that as well. Uh, you, you've literally been here my whole entire life and has, have, has been the constant for my life. And I, just, I thank you guys for that. Thank you. Would you be seated, please? Uh, I think when, as we move to the uh, laying on of hands, uh, I think maybe if we'll come down this way and cross, and then maybe we can go back this way. Uh, and uh, if you're an ordained deacon, ordained minister, uh, please feel free to come and uh, lay hands on uh, Marcus. And uh, Miss Anna is going to be here with him as well, so be sure to speak to her. Would you join me as we pray, please? Eternal Father, we are grateful for every good and perfect gift which comes from above because you've measured it, weighed it, designed it just for us individually. Thank you for these statements and words because they're more than just statements and words. They're from the heart of a man who came to know Jesus Christ. Now, Father, we pray for him as he fills this office of deacon, along with uh, Anna and his extended family as well. There are going to be times when he will turn to them and ask for counsel 
ask for direction and meaning. So I pray that you, in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, <coughs> will be upon his life in a continued way that will bring those decisions to the glory and praise of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So thank you, dear Father. We commit him to you. In the name and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you come, Marcus and Anna? Uh, I hope you guys have have uh, down right have seen the the common theme of Marcus's life, and that common theme is obedience. So I think we can all apply that to our lives as, as uh, men and women and boys and girls in this room that, that we have obedience to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because we have to step out and be different. He says, be holy because I am holy. And that's our calling, to be holy, be different, be set apart. And I think that's what this young man has done and continues to do. Marcus, I Nicole and I look at you as like our younger brother. And um, you and Anna uh, are just two people that I would love for my kids to model their lives after. Uh, Marcus, God blessed you with her, son. <laughs> you did good. You did good. She's awesome. She is a, such a, an addition to your ministry and, and who you are. Um, and I look forward to serving with him. Um, such an awesome man, such a such a wonderful young family to be a part of. And Marcus, on behalf of uh, First Baptist Church of Lindale, we've got some a certificate here that uh, uh, confirms your deaconship, I guess. And also um, this Bible, who we had uh, all the deacons and ministers here today to uh, to sign for you, and I have one as well. And some days I'll go back and look at those names, and a lot of the guys, some of them have passed away. Winston Kilgo, I can remember him praying over me and the things that he would say, say to me. And uh, just a quiet guy in the room, he wouldn't give his opinion unless somebody called on him to give him uh, his opinion. And it was so, so wise and a lot of wisdom in that man. So I'd look and, and look at those signatures of those guys who, uh, who would sign that Bible. So... Thank you so much for being obedient uh, in so many steps of your life. Thank you, sir. Miss Anna, you've been quiet. We haven't I'll let you. Stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to introduce your parents and grandparents if they're here. Please start with your grandparents. Would you do that? Just my mom and dad and my brother Elaine, Steve, and Matt are here. So let's stand. <laughs> can you introduce <laughs> I can my grandparents uh, Ron and Madge Winslet uh, my parents Lynn and Tim Holloway and then my brother and sister-in-law Ashley and Matt Holloway and then in the in the back, I've got uh, Ken Geis and Robin Geis, and then Kendall, uh, 
and Cooper standing back there, and then Josh Clark uh, in the back, and, and Grant Geis, our cousin. So. Stand up, Geis. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for being here. Now, home folk, make sure you come and love Alton a little bit, would you? That means yes. That means yes. We are blessed to have been able to share with you all today in this service. Appreciate you so much.